Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Thank you to Evelyn for bringing that incredible reflection for us and learnings. Really powerful that we do not forget our history. It's really important that we do not just look back over the landscape of time and think that the church in its current reflection is the way that it's always been. It hasn't. There have always been people on the outside of church who aren't welcome in the church. And we're going to read a story today in Acts of when that happened in the early church and it's happened in our lifetime and it's going to continue happening. And if we forget that, if we forget that at one point, like Aboriginal people were not welcome in the church, we're not even allowed to lead a church at one point, like that if we forget that the church has been so restrictive, then we're not going to be aware of what it is the Holy Spirit is wanting to invite us into, which is a full and complete picture of unity, a full and complete body of Christ. So I'm just so grateful that that we had that beautiful reflection this morning. And um, the Lord put on my heart to, to talk about unity today and I had no idea that it was a Sunday to celebrate that um, with our First Nations people. So... God is doing something and I'm really excited for it, which is why I put on my brightest shirt because even though I'm really excited for it, I'm a bit tired this morning. So let's begin with some prayer. Father in heaven, our thoughts of you are too few and too small. Would you today expand our idea of you, expand our idea of unity, and would you do a work amongst us, God, not just individually but amongst us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Unity, it does not mean perfect agreement. Unity is not the absence of differences. Unity is community in the midst of differences. And I feel really strongly that as we dig into the idea of what it means to be united, though we're different, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that being united is to make ourselves vulnerable to each other and that is going to result at times in pain and hurt because we are all imperfect humans. (laughs) And so if you have been hurt, by the church in the past or even maybe ongoing or if you have been excluded, felt excluded, if you, have, if you have some pain, some trauma there from things that have been said or done or not said and done, I do want to take a moment to acknowledge that this can be a difficult topic. And there is healing and I don't want to say that glibly and just say, there's healing, you'll find it. <laughs> I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that. If we keep pursuing unity, if we keep trusting in the Lord to do a work amongst us instead of doing it just in our own strength with our own hurts and fears, there will be healing and there will be just increasingly beautiful pictures of unity, closer and closer to the unity that is between the Father, the Son and the Spirit. And that's what we're aiming for. So I just want to acknowledge that this may be a difficult 
discussion. <laughs> this may be something that prompts some of your previous hurts and fears and acknowledge that we all play a part in that. And um, yeah, but let's be together in that. And let's commit together to learn how to live in unity despite our differences. Can we agree to that this morning? Yeah. Now, as I say that, I also want to encourage us to push in this morning because unity is not just for people who are currently living in conflict. So don't turn off just because actually in your life right now all your relationships are in good places. (laughs) Unity is rich. There is always something to learn about unity because unity is not just about resolving conflict. Unity is actually one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit's work among us. And unity is present when we are following the command of Jesus to love one another. It's not just something we need to seek when we're in conflict or in broken relationships. It's just something we should be hungry for all the time. It's a powerful, powerful expression of community. I want to unpack this idea of the Holy Spirit's purpose before we then get into our text and unpack a bit more about unity. So let's consider for a moment the major roles of the Holy Spirit. Some of these will be familiar to you because we have been going through Acts with this lens of the power of the Holy Spirit. But let's just, I guess, go over again some of these attributes, some of these roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. He's the helper, the advocate, the guide. The Holy Spirit is the bringer of revelation and wisdom of Jesus, not just Jesus, also of ourselves, making known to us things about ourselves that we can't see without his help. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. The presence of God used to dwell in the tabernacle of physical building. And then after Jesus and the Holy Spirit came, he now dwells in us and we're the temples. So the Holy Spirit is is the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit, with his presence indwelling in us, is what marks us, it's what seals on us proof that we are children of God, that we've been grafted into the family of Christ, and not just our family of God, and not just that, but it is the source of our identity, Romans 8. It's his spirit that testifies to our spirit. It's that revelatory aspect of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit's role to guide us into truth so that we know truly who we are and truly who we belong to. And then there's the power of the Holy Spirit. This one would be even more familiar because this has been our focus in Acts, the power of the Holy Spirit. These are all the roles that the Holy Spirit has in the life of a believer and we will and can experience each of these aspects of the gift that is the Holy Spirit to us. But these roles aren't the same as purpose. And what I mean by that is what is the why behind Jesus leaving us the Holy Spirit? Why? Why do we need help and revelation? Why do we need prayer to witness? Sorry, why do we need power to witness about Jesus? Why do we need an indwelling God to remind us of who we are and who we belong to? Like why? Why are these things? Why is the call on us to witness to the ends of the earth? Why? Is God just interested in racking up more and more converts because he's got an abacus and he's keeping count? He just needs more? No. There's a why behind it. There's a purpose to God. There's a purpose to his Holy Spirit. These are all activities of a God whose spirit is at work creating a family. And now we're getting at the why. The Holy Spirit is empowering us to be grafted into the family of God and to live in peace with one another. The spirit is at work creating a family, a family united through the bond of peace, a family united in love. And I just really appreciated, Gabby, this morning that you were like, what a 
privilege it is to be in unity worshipping. It is, especially after some long hard years of COVID keeping us apart, right? Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Not just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness and self-control. These are fruits. These are the ingredients of unity. This is what it takes to live in unity with one another. And living in step with the Spirit is the recipe of how then it actually all plays out. It is not enough for us to strive for love on our own because without the power of the Spirit, we'll just be coming up against our own limitations, our own propensity to hurt one another, to let our own hurts cut us off from relationship. We need the Holy Spirit in this. The Holy Spirit's power is not just for the healing of physical limitations. The Holy Spirit's power is for the drawing in of us as unified beings despite our differences, despite different ways of thinking, despite the way we hurt each other. It's a scary thing. I do want to acknowledge that. But God is good. Let's keep pushing on. There's a beautiful picture of this unity in Ephesians 4, which I do want to read us before read over us before we get to Acts 10. I love this picture and just remember as I read this that this is not on you to achieve all in your own effort but there is something we're invited to do. It's not going to happen without us committing to doing this because Paul says here, as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I'll just point out here that to live a life worthy of the calling you've received is not then to live a certain lifestyle or no lifestyle. It's not about what you do or don't do. To live a life that's worthy of the calling of God, to be faithful in that, it's about unity. It's about living in peace with each other. It's about our relationships. It's not about a list of things that count as holy or non-holy living. It's a list of things that count towards keeping the peace with one another. The goal of holy living is to be in true relationship with one another, to be in true peace and true unity with one another. Okay, let's get into our text, Acts 10. I want to read the whole of it though. I thought about paraphrasing it because it's a long chunk of text. So if you've got a Bible, whip it out so you can read along because we are going to read the entire chapter. There's something powerful about having the word just read over, over us. And there's not much more to add to this because the author of Acts, Luke, has, has made a huge effort to emphasise this pivotal moment of the text. He repeats aspects of the story numerous times. In fact, when I was reading it the first time, I was like, gee, why? Oh, yeah, you just said that like a paragraph ago, why are you saying it again? It's a big deal, right? The reason why is because a fair amount of what happens in the rest of the book of Acts is about this passage. 
Paul and the disciples began going to people to share the gospel with people that they otherwise would not have considered because they had previously thought them unclean or too common or outside the family of believers and weren't actually preaching the gospel to them. This is a pivotal, pivotal moment and it hinges, it hinges on the revelation of the Spirit. So let's read it together. Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Outside of the Jewish family, this is an uncircumcised Gentile man. And it says here in verse 2, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Here is a faithful man pursuing God with a whole lot of his energies and efforts. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, at this point in the early church, because Cornelius wasn't Jewish, Peter was actually, any Jew was actually forbidden to go into his house to eat with him. He was unclean by the law of the day. It wasn't just a bit taboo or outside the social norm for Jews and Gentiles to interact. It was actually forbidden. And at the time that the church was starting to grow here, the validity of the mission to the Gentiles, the, the early church was questioning whether or not the gospel story, the story of Jesus dying and rising again, if it was truly actually for anybody outside the Jewish faith. They weren't sure. They were hesitant about spreading the gospel beyond the Jewish family at that time. That's the bit of context for you. And then we see Peter here. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air, And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now at this point, Peter being of the Jewish, you know, family, there was a strict lot of rules around what you could and couldn't eat. Some things were declared unclean. And here even a man who's following Jesus, whose identity now is as a son of God, through Jesus' sacrifice, he is still part of this tradition. He's still part of this Jewish tradition. He's saying, I might be a Christian, but I've never eaten anything unclean or impure. And then a voice speaks to him and the second time the voice says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
And I just have to wonder at this point if Peter's looking at one of the reptiles on this sheet thinking, yeah, but I don't want a lizard sandwich. Yeah, he might have been looking at the pig instead, but there were reptiles on the sheet. It's a confusing image and we see that because it says this happened three times. He saw this vision three times over and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate and they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. just want to pause here and point out a little bit more about Peter. This is a man who walked with Jesus, who asked questions of Jesus, questions that Jesus answered. And he's confused. He's wondering about what this, revel- what this vision means. So if ever you felt a little bit uncertain, a little bit confused about what the Holy Spirit might be trying to communicate to you, you are in good company. Because disciples who spent time with Jesus, who knew him, when they have a revelation of the Spirit, spend time in confusion about it. Peter's failure to get this vision is not the result of a hard heart towards it or resistance to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It reflects the difficulty of deciphering the symbols of God's message. We just need to remember that. Because if you are uncomfortable or unsure, that does not necessarily mean it's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. We're going to keep following in this story because it will help us understand how we can discern what is the Spirit's doing and what's not. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, still thinking about it, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And again, he needed that instruction, that prompt from the Holy Spirit, because by the law of his tribe, he wasn't permitted to go with them to the house of a Gentile. The Holy Spirit is prompting him here to go. And Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests, breaking a huge taboo. The next day Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. I do have to wonder if these were other Jewish Christians who were going, what is he doing? We're just going to go along and make sure nothing untoward happens here. I don't know. Maybe they were all just excited. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. And I love what Peter does right here. He says, he makes him get up and says, stand up. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. He left his place, this rooftop vision that confused him, that he didn't understand what God was saying because it was symbolic, it wasn't literal. He didn't understand it. And somewhere on his journey to Cornelius' house, he's understood what it is the Lord is trying to say. 
the Lord is not actually talking about animals. He's talking about people. He's saying you can't call anybody unclean because I call them clean. Because they're not clean by anything they do or anything they say. They're clean because I say they're clean. It's the only way to be clean. So you can't say, undo what the Lord is saying about it. It took a journey. It took a big leap of faith for him to realise what it was. He went, in, he went along with these men to visit the house of a Gentile, being prompted by the Holy Spirit, but still not having a full understanding of the Lord's revelation. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be a guide into truth. And sometimes that takes a big leap of faith. But you should still step out even if you're unsure, even if you're not sure if it's of the Lord or of something else, even while you're waiting for discernment to strike you. It took a journey for Peter to walk into this house and understand. Cornelius told him the story and we have it repeated word for word about the vision. You know, four days ago I was in my house praying at three in the afternoon. Such specific detail here from Luke. This is an important revelation that the church would base a huge decision off. It's not necessarily a departure from the Torah, but it is a huge change of their mind and their attitude towards Gentiles. Cornelius tells him the story and then Peter begins to speak and he says, I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism. God does not show favouritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Here Peter is saying that it wasn't just the vision God gave him, but it was the way that the Holy Spirit then timed it all up. An angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius at exactly the right time for him to dispatch his messengers to knock on the door where Peter was staying exactly at the moment that he'd finished having these confusing messages, like these confusing visions. And it's not until like he walks into the home with this realisation of, yeah, I'm not meant to call you impure or unclean because Jesus has now made you clean, but it's not until Cornelius then tells him the story of how he was visited by the angel and it's all timed up. And then you start to realise that what looks like coincidence, what looks like just serendipitous is the Holy Spirit's power in bringing us into deep, deep realisation and revelation of the truth of what God is saying. And here the truth is that God does not show favouritism but accepts people from every nation who fear him. Cornelius is a devout believer. He is someone who has been pursuing God, doing all that he can in his own steam to honour God. He's been praying. He's been doing justice. He has been working with the poor. He has been generous. He is somebody who has pursued the heart of God and is already faithfully living out a call on his life to be a member of the family. And yet he at that time was not invited to be a member of the church. Something had to change. And this is what happens is Peter's realisation that those who fear him and those who do what is right are accepted. And what he means by doing right here is this same idea of being in right standing with God. And how do we get in right standing with God? By praying daily and giving to the poor. No, 
No, it's not by our works. It's not by the things we do. You can do that, sure. But you know what puts you in a right standing with God? Jesus. Nothing you do or nothing you omit to do. Nothing that your neighbour does or doesn't do. Nothing. We can no longer call anybody impure or unclean because God has called them clean. Even if they are not currently part of the family, if they are pursuing God wholeheartedly, who is to stop them from receiving what then happens to Cornelius' family? Let's read this. Peter begins to explain to them, you know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee. You know the message. You know how God appointed and anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes, that is the thing that is your ticket. (laughs) That is all it is. That is all that has to happen. And while Peter was still speaking, so he has not even finished his sermon here, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard his message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, and this is why I was thinking maybe they were coming along to be like, what are you doing? You're not meant to go to the home of a Gentile because now they're astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptised with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptised. And then if we fast forward a little bit into chapter 11, he goes back to Jerusalem and the circumcised believers, in other words, the Jewish Christians, they criticised him because word had spread of what had happened in Cornelius' house. And they said to him, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? I imagine that was their tone. I don't know. I'm putting a fair bit of inflection in that. But obviously they're criticising him. It says there. And Peter began to explain. And then Luke once again gives us word for word the same story. So we'll skip over that bit down to the bottom. Do read this though. This is incredible repetition. The repetition is so key. Luke is making a point here in Acts. And then we see Peter though. He's told them the story. And we see down in verse 17 he said, So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift. Who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he gave them the same gift as us who believed. Therefore, they must have believed in order to receive it. Who was I to think that I could oppose God? Who are we to think that we can oppose God and say who and who cannot be a part of this amazing body of Christ? Yeah, We're singing in unity and it is a blessing and I love that you point, I've already said it, but I love that you pointed it out, but it just got me thinking like I don't want anyone to miss out on this. And Peter wasn't necessarily against Gentiles, I don't believe. I just think they were in a blind spot of his. There are people in our lives who are marginalised and it's not necessarily because we don't like them, it's just because we don't see them. 
We get so invested in pouring our energies into our families, and that is good and right. We get so invested into shepherding the people in our communities, and so often they're people like us who think like us because that's just natural. We gravitate towards people who think the same way, who behave the same way. That's all fine. But then is it at the exclusion of people who we're just blind to? Because they're different to us and they think differently or they take a bit more hard work or it's for whatever reason. I just genuinely believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to give us confusing visions that then as we step out in a bit more faith and boldness, risk a little bit more of what people are going to say and people are going to think, actually what he's going to lead us into is a genuine love, a genuine expression, a genuine just faithfulness to that command Jesus gave us to love one another. And it's not something we can do on our own steam because I'm talking about ways of being with people that we can't imagine that the Holy Spirit is going to tee up. Can we commit to start praying and asking the Holy Spirit to visit the Corneliuses? Let's pray for them. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will actually start to talk to them. We'll start to tee up these amazing seemingly coincidental meetings, right? I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you to our beautiful worship team. But I feel like there's two things I really want to leave us with, two challenges. And the first one is this. I think there are, it's like it's likely that there are some of us here today who are like Cornelius. We're devout. We pray. We give generously. We act with mercy and justice and we are God-fearing and we are pursuing God with all our hearts. And there might be something in you that is like, yeah, I love God, but I don't know that I've ever experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius, I believe that today God does want to impart to you the Holy Spirit and there will be an opportunity in a moment people Um, here on our prayer team who would love to pray with you and invite the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on you. I also just want to say on that note, though, that this is not the only place you can come to receive the Holy Spirit. If you are hungry for the Holy Spirit, keep that hunger alive. Go to the people in your life who have seen amazing things that God has done, who have powerful testimonies, and ask them to impart the Holy Spirit. Ask them to pray for you. You can do this in the privacy of your own home. You can do this with the people you trust. The Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell here (laughs) waiting for an impartation. And then I think there are some of us who are like Peter. We're blind without knowing it to people that we would otherwise intersect with who are Corneliuses waiting to be invited into the, holy, into the kingdom of God. And he wants to open our eyes to that. And then there are some of us who aren't just blind, but actually we're living in a world where we've been told and then we've believed that actually there are some people we can't actually be in relationship with. We're living in a world that is telling us that, you know, Tolerance is the new thing and that's what we should be doing and we're resisting it as a church because it's actually a conversation that's happening in a secular space using intolerance as guised as tolerance. But actually what the reason why our society is so bent on this idea of tolerance is because there is a real need for the people of God to rise up and say there is no favouritism and there is nothing here that God has not called clean. There is no barrier 
other than your belief, your willingness, your pursuit of God? Would we be a safe place for anybody pursuing God, no matter who they are or who they're attracted to? Would we be a safe place for people pursuing God, regardless of their race or where they've come from? Would we be just a safe place, willing to embrace and love and show that actually the Holy Spirit is poured out on all of us because there is no favouritism. This is a scary thing that I'm proposing and I just want to remind us all that Peter went on this journey. It is a journey. This revelation of the Holy Spirit is here not just to comfort us, but to guide us into truth. So I want to invite us now to ask the Holy Spirit just to reveal to us what it is He wants to say. And if you get a confusing picture, hey, welcome to Peter's life. (laughs) Maybe He will put somebody specific on your mind. Or maybe He will actually be inviting you to lay bare some of the hurts that you've received from being part of this unique expression of Christ, this unique body. And he might be inviting you to join in in a new way despite the fear of hurt and the fear of rejection. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.